Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Great to have you here uh, with us and have all the confirmation uh, students uh, here today from both uh, Howard Drive and from Rosa Parks together. Fun day. Well, if you don't know, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. My wife, Sandy, is out of town uh, today. She is running a, well, she ran yesterday a half marathon uh, out in Door County, uh, Wisconsin uh, with some friends of hers. And You know, that might be why this week was a little hectic for me. I feel like I had way too many things uh, to do and not enough time to do it. Uh, There were a number of times where I felt like I was overwhelmed and I just wasn't going to, you know, be able to get everything done. And I will tell you that I didn't get everything done. Uh, But I did survive. I'm here today. And I wouldn't blame that on my wife. She's uh, great. She's having a great time. And we all need some time off from time to time from this crazy world to do some things. Uh, So I'm glad that we could send her out. But have you ever had that feeling, that sense of like you just don't have enough? Maybe you feel like you're not enough. You just don't feel like you have what it takes. Well, I... Don't think it's hard to imagine why we struggle with that today. Uh, I think about social media and everybody's perfect life that's on display. It's, a, it's very easy to get to that point where like, why does everybody else have everything together? And I'm sitting here wondering how I'm going to make it through today. You know, even social media companies know that this is true. Uh, the Facebook whistleblower came out with some information, uh, you know, a couple week, week ago or week, two weeks ago, something like that. Uh, and even their documents prove that they know that this is having an effect, uh, particularly on young teenagers. Um, so it's so easy for us to compare ourselves to others and fall, feel like we fall short. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what God has to say about that. Uh, We're going to be in uh, the book of Matthew today, uh, Matthew chapter 11 and chapter 15, if you want to open up your Bible and join us today. Uh, We will also have it up on uh, the screen uh, for you as well if you don't have a Bible. Uh, But we're in a series right now called the Community Bible Experience. We are reading through the entire New Testament uh, as a church. We've invited everybody to jump in and join along, and uh, we've invited you to do it at a grace pace. So some of you are behind. Um, I am too. Uh, And that's okay. Read what you can, and if you haven't joined us and you want to join us, there's still time. We still have four weeks left of reading. Um, You could jump in right with us this week. We're going to be reading the book of Matthew this week, uh, which is why we're preaching on that today. Uh, So you can jump in and join uh, the fun. Uh, If you want to, you could even go back and uh, catch up uh, as time goes on. But I would encourage you, if you are jumping in today, just start with the book of Matthew and start following. We do have some uh, reading plans over there. I think we might even have some of the special um, books that we have there in chronological order. So it's been kind of a fun way. And they remove all the chapter and verse markings, so it makes it more like you're reading a novel. So we've been doing that. Uh, We're in the book of Matthew this coming week. This past week, we were reading uh, from Paul's letters. And um, Matthew asserts uh, a few important things in his gospel. Uh, So one of the things that he asserts is that Jesus is Messiah. Now, that's a word uh, that Old Testament Jews would have been looking for. It means Savior. They were looking for the one who would save them. He also asserts that Jesus is the new Moses. 
so that's a figure in the Old Testament, if you read that. Uh, Moses is kind of this person who leads Israel out of slavery, and he's very revered. And so Matthew sets up Jesus as the new Moses or the new leader or authoritative teacher. And then the last thing that uh, Matthew is really big on uh, is he's big on this idea of God being called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And we're going to see that uh, today. In our text, in chapter 11, uh, Matthew begins by telling some stories about how people respond to this idea that Jesus was the Messiah. John the Baptist is wondering, he says, is this the Messiah? Is this the one that was promised? I'm just not quite sure. Well, Jesus responds with a whole list of amazing things that have been happening. Along the way, uh, in Matthew chapter 11, we also see that Jesus comes cursing some cities who didn't respond to the miracles that Jesus had done in their cities. He goes so far as to say, you know those really pagan, like purely pagan cities? Yeah, if they would have seen the miracles, they would have believed. That's kind of a burn. Well, you know, what's interesting in that uh, is that most people, the most likely people to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who was promised to save people, are the people on the margins. The people who most people thought were outside of God's will were most likely to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And it's to those people that Jesus has these words that we read in our call to worship to say, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What welcome words if you are a person who is on the margins, who is struggling with life, feeling like you aren't enough, or that you don't have enough. Jesus has these words to say to those people. It's an invitation to find rest in a world full of chaos and craziness. And he uses this image of a yoke, but he sort of flips it upside down. We're probably all familiar with the idea of a yoke, this bar that connects two, often oxen or animal, together uh, to create uh, this group work. But what more than likely the people who were listening to this were hearing uh, was this. The Pharisees had been talking about a yoke as well. And what they wanted is they wanted people to carry the yoke of the Torah or the law, the Old Testament law. They wanted them to carry that. And it was a heavy burden for them because no one could keep the Torah. In fact, Jews during that time would often recite this thing called the Shema. It was a prayer that was done twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And while saying this prayer, they would think taking on the yoke of the kingdom of heaven and taking on the yoke of the commandments, the Torah or the law. 
And when you think about people who are on the margins, who are struggling to try to live up to the law, to live into all these rules, it was a heavy burden for them. And the Pharisees didn't make it any simpler for them. They added lots of other laws alongside of the, t- the Torah just to make sure that they were living holy lives. And you know, the reality is that it's not so different today for us. It's so easy for us to take on the yoke of the law. We may not have the Shema or the Shema, Uh, But we have law-based systems that we live in. In fact, every community has their code of ethics that they live under. Even, if you think about it, gangs and drug cartels have codes of ethics that they live under. But no one can uphold all the laws. I don't care what the law is, no one upholds it. No one can live by the law. We are all broken people and we mess up even if you're under simple you know, laws like the drug cartels or uh, the gangs. You will find people who break the law. So here's what the law does. It creates two groups of people. It creates those who are crushed by its weight. And they have this sense of never being able to measure up to the law. Or the other side is it creates proud people. People like the Pharisees. People like the rich young ruler who when asked about the commandments said, all of those I have kept since I was a boy. To which Jesus added one more. Well then why don't you just go sell all of your possessions and give to the poor? And he went away sad because he was a rich man. You see, it's not about the law. And the reality is that none of us can live up to the law. We all fall short. Paul says this in our reading uh, that we did this past uh, week, or two weeks ago. Uh, Romans chapter 3 says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We become aware of our sin through the law. And Jesus knows this. And that's why he can say, come and learn from me. Come and learn because my teachings that you learn from me are easy and light. They are not a burden to you. Now, I do want to make a caveat here. This doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want. This isn't a license to go do whatever sin uh, or thing that you want to do in your life. No, if we look at Jesus' teachings, this is about humility. It's about humbleness. In the prodigal God, uh, Tim Keller has this to say, people who confess they aren't particularly good are moving towards God. Because the prerequisite For receiving the grace of God is knowing that you need it. And for people who think they're just fine, thank you, I've got this figured out, they are moving away from God. Matthew goes on to share another story uh, about Jesus in chapter 15. So if you want to flip a few pages, we'll jump in there. 
And we've got it up on the screen, so that's good. It says in uh, verse 29 uh, of chapter 15, Jesus left there. And there, interestingly enough, is the region that was full of those pure pagans. So he's leaving that pure pagan place. And he went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed, and, the, <clears throat> and when they saw the mute speak, and the crippled made well, and the lame walking, and the blind see, and they praised the God of Israel. So the first thing to look at uh, in this text, we're going to stop here for a moment, is the people. The people that are mentioned here are the lame, the blind, the mute. These are the people that most would have said are outside of God's kingdom. They had a clear, obvious thing that was wrong with them. And clearly God had said, you are living in sin. That was the thinking of the day. They were thought to be outside God's kingdom. And what's happening here is that these are the very people who are coming to Jesus. And Jesus is healing them. And what's interesting about that is that these stories mirror the Old Testament prophecies. So we'll take a look at one passage here in Isaiah chapter 35. Uh, I think we can pull that up on the screen. You don't have to flip your Bible there. It says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then will the lamp I'm sorry, then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So this and other Old Testament prophets or prophecies had this idea of this is what would happen when the Messiah came. This is what they were looking for. And one of the ideas that came along with that was that the nations would come to Israel. And they would come to this city on a hill known as Zion. Well, what's interesting about that is that Jesus, it says, went up on a mountainside. We'll call it a hill. And people were coming to Jesus. And what Matthew is showing is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. In Jesus, we find the fulfillment of these things that the lame will walk, the blind will see, people will experience freedom. And as you can imagine, people were getting really excited about it. They were gathering around Jesus, but there was still a problem. And Jesus invites his disciples into that problem. In verse uh, 32, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat and I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way home. But what's interesting in verse 33 is his disciples answered, well, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd. This is impossible. What I find interesting is that Jesus is healing the blind, the lame, and the crippled. They're literally seeing Jesus do these things in front of them. 
And when Jesus says we need to feed them, he said, they, the disciples are like, well, well, where can we get the food? They're literally seeing miracles before them with people's bodies and they're wondering, where are we going to get the food? And I think, unfortunately, we too can be a lot like the disciples. We, see, we can see God do amazing things and then yet we wonder where we're going to have the resources to do the things that God invites us to do. So Jesus says to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Well, seven, I guess, and a few small fish. Emphasis on small. So Jesus told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went into the vicinity of Magadan. I want to be careful uh, today to tell you that this is not a prosperity message. We don't pray and get whatever we want, although sometimes we do. This message is about Jesus, the person of Jesus. Jesus had the power to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies that were told about him in the Old Testament. It is a message for us about who Jesus is and that God can use what little we have. Whatever we have, God can use it to do his will. And the question is, where in the world are God's promises urgently needed? Where are the sick and the hungry still waiting for the blessing and hope of the one true God? And what do you have to contribute to that? The truth is that you already have what you need if you are following Jesus. With Jesus, you already have all that you need to participate in the kingdom of God and his purposes. So here's what I want you to hear today. With Jesus, you are loved and you are enough. And with Jesus, you have enough. With Jesus, you are enough. With Jesus, you have enough. And here's what I want you to do this week as you think about those things. Know that because of Jesus, you are seen by God and loved by God. Know that. Be reminded of that as you go about your week. And know that, secondly, if you know that you are loved by God and you are seen by God, that you have what it takes to go share that good news with other people. You have all that you need. You know that you are loved by God. You know you are seen by God. You have what it takes to tell others about that same message, that God loves them as well. So would you take time this week to tell somebody and remind them because, you know, we can be like the disciples. 
We can see God do amazing things and yet we can forget that God loves us, cares about us, knows us, sees us, and that he is with us. God is Emmanuel. And we need reminders. I need reminders. I needed a reminder this week as I was getting ready for this Sunday with my wife gone that God is enough for me. And it didn't matter if I got all of my work done. God is enough for me. And God is enough for you. And you have what it takes, if you know that, to share that with others. So I want to encourage you this week. Find somebody or some bodies and tell them what you know. Send them a text message. Email them. Tell them face-to-face. You could even go old school and send them a letter or a card in the mail. Or if you're a student, I don't know, you could drop it off in their locker. People need to know that they are loved by God. The other thing I want to encourage you, it could be somebody here in this Crossview community. It could be somebody in your family, somebody not in our community. It could be, and I would encourage you especially, it could be someone who doesn't know that God loves them. You see, we're starting this church here on the other side of town, Crossview Rosa Parks, because there are over 50,000 people in the greater Mankato area. We could maybe go 100,000 if you expand it out a little bit. Most of those people don't know that God loves them. Or if they do have an inkling, they don't know how much God loves them. And we hopefully do to some degree. I still need to be reminded of it. But friends, we have so many people that don't know that God sees them, that God loves them, and we, you've been told now today, you have the message, you can go tell somebody this week that they are loved. Let's be a church that's known by our love. Let's be a church that by God's love knows that God loves us and knows that God loves everyone. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can read it today that has been passed down generations to us. That we can know that you love us and care about us, that you see us. And God, would you help us to tell other people about that message of love? So many people need to know that. So many of us are running around this world and we don't feel like we have enough. And we need the reminder that you love us. Help us to be a community that reminds others of your love. Amen.